Imagine that going alcohol-free just got easier, fun filled with tactics, tools, and science-based facts. Well, it has, and it's here with us on Sober Chicks Life. Welcome. We're back. Coach Lily, so nice to see you. It's so good to see you too. And I am really excited to talk about this subject because I have a conversation coming up with one of my clients about this on Wednesday. We want to talk about cravings. Oh, yes. You know those cravings? I don't know about you, Lily, but for me... When I when I had cravings, it was felt like I was being taken over. I was I didn't feel like myself and I definitely didn't feel like I was in control. They definitely feel out of control. Yeah, like somebody's taken over your body. This particular client describes them as and he puts his hand up by his head Mm. on one side and says, you know, it's this thing and it's just so horrible yeah their concern on going alcohol free is that this is going to be how it is for the rest of their life like and imagine if you were using the willpower model the traditional model to quit that's what your life would be oh all the time constant negotiating Yes. Unless, unless you're win. So this is, bear in mind that what we're talking about are the people, not the 10% who are physically addicted. We're not needing medical medical support at this particular, in this particular um, area that we're addressing here. Just want to make that clear. So what I was, what I'm loving just then when you were talking about your client is your client puts his hand by his head and a craving is, let's, what about, what if it's just a thought? And that that thought is just, we're bringing it to life. Bearing in mind that our brains are thought-making machines and, and then they're meaning-making machines. So what if, it, if it's just this thought, we brought it for life and to life and it feels uncomfortable? What if that's right. all it is? And that there's a question that can, be, that can come from feeling uncomfortable. What do I need right now? What is it my body's asking for right now? For real, right. alcohol aside. I do that with my food cravings. And I had a really good track record of eating at eating time and not snacking. And then every once in a while, I want to put something in my mouth in a non-eating time. And it's usually not Brussels sprouts. <laughs> it's usually Damn. maybe chocolate-covered Brussels sprouts or, mm. you know, Brussels sprouts with ice cream or, you know, whatever it is. And I never could figure out what it was that my body needed or wanted. But what I could say and what I do say now is I don't know, but I know that this ice cream or this these chips are not going to give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I think what comes to mind for me was that I kind of related it back to something like when I was a, when I was small or my daughter, for example, was needing something and she would suck her thumb. So she'd be crying for something. And let's say that I wasn't there straight away. She's in the back of the car and I'm not able to give, you know, give her what she needs. And she sucked her thumb. So when you think that her in her body, in her brain, something was being created for her to say, I need something. And then 
she was soothed. So she soothed herself by sucking her thumb. So what we're looking for here in a craving is soothing, but not in the form of alcohol. See what I mean? Right. To see it from a different angle, to see it as a kind of a cry for something that we can provide. It might be the soothing aspects of going for a walk in, the, in nature. It might be soothing because uh, I'm thirsty for water. It might be soothing. I need some almonds or something to put my blood sugar levels up because I'm hungry. Or it might be soothing. I just need to have a nap because I'm really tired. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. And a lot of times we get cravings at a time of day. People called it the witching hour. I never liked the witching hour. I like to call it the choice hour. Because a, to call it the witching hour makes it sound like it's out of our control. Yes. Like there's something magical happening and we're bewitched and there's nothing we can do about it. Whereas in fact, there is something we can do about it. And what to break down what you're talking about even further is instead of what I see you doing, Zoe, is you're not pushing it away you're getting curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. And not being afraid of it. Well, because they can be really frightening, right? Because what we don't understand is it's it's a feeling that's going to pass. We made it ourselves. It's ours for keepsies, if you want to keep it, if you want to. It is frightening. And we brought it to life in a real way. It feels absolutely 100% real. But we're safe. It's going to pass. We are okay, but we get worried and scared. And so we wind ourselves up and the brain then gets panicky. And what happens when we get panicky, we get overwhelmed. And before you know it, we've made it 10 times worse. And we, you, you go into your subconscious brain and you're reaching for a drink to soothe the, the terrible discomfort now that's come from it. Right, because we've gone out of thinking in our prefrontal cortex into fight or flight, which denies our prefrontal cortex oxygen. You can't think without oxygen. And someone goes into fight or flight and they're in an MRI, you can see the lights going out of the prefrontal cortex. It's just dark. Yeah, yeah. And then we start to say to ourselves, so we make, so instead of making an interpretation from our of of the feeling from our prefrontal cortex, which is hey, okay, this is be jovial craving time, okay, hey, I'm having a craving, God, that's amazing. I wonder, I'm going to sit with this and see how I feel. When we don't, when we come out of that ability to reason with it, we then go into, uh, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm not going to mm. make it. I'm all this is I'm this is always happening, and then we're we're lost. This is frightening. Oh, and we make it so big because if I have this drink now, that means I'm always going to drink and I'm always going to be drinking and I'm never going to solve this problem. And it this is huge and I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to lose my life partner. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get dementia and cancer and die. <laughs> you know, you it just becomes so huge. It does. When in fact, you're right. It's just a thought. Yeah. We give our power of choice away, right? We give our power away. And it's just, it's at that moment of interpretation. So you have the thought, yeah, you could go two ways. You can go down the route of saying, oh my God, I'm so hopeless, here we go. Oh my God, here it goes again. I knew it was coming and last time it was so bad. And then we're gonna have an action, yeah, which is gonna be drinking. Or we're gonna go, 
oh my God, I'm making this. I am making, I am choosing this. I'm choosing to, I've got this thought and I can choose to make it harmless and to say, yeah, it's a bit of discomfort, but do I want this discomfort for five minutes, if that, or do I want a humdinger of a hangover and anxiety at three o'clock in the morning with my eyes open, feeling so alone and, and the, the loop never stopping? What do I want? And it's in your power. So it really is a question of, of interpretation of the thoughts that are coming with that. Not this vision of it's like a bomb that you turn into a fluffy bunny that isn't scary at all. That sounds quite Monty Python-ish. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Except those bunnies were really dangerous. Oh, do you mean uh, it's just a little bunny wabbit? <laughs> this particular little bitty bunny wabbit doesn't have like scary teeth and it's not going to eat you. But it's true. It's true. And it's it. it's just that for me, it comes hand in hand with a misunderstanding. It's just a lack of awareness of of thought, not understanding that that's what our brains do. We don't know what we're going to be thinking in one minute, two minutes, three minutes. You know, we're not in control. These things come through the whole time. So when we do have one like a craving that's quite clear, we can actually seize that moment and say, damn it, I'm not going to give this power away. This is a moment where I can either surf the urge, which was one that we brought up before, where you follow, literally follow, as you follow the feeling through lifting through your body, and it can come across as your heart rate um, going a bit faster, you might get a bit of sweaty palms, you might, it depends what it comes across for you, but you will equally feel it dropping down again. And you'll be like, oh my God, that was, that hardly lasted any time at all. And I can promise you the next time it will be like literally 10% of that first initial craving, just because your brain recognizes it. And it saw you go through it out the other side, the consequences were zero. It brings to mind a great place to start with this is coaches always be like, take some deep breaths. <laughs> there's a reason we always say that and that is because I believe when we get the urge and we start to panic we go into fight or flight oxygen gets shut down by taking just a couple of deep breaths we get that access to our prefrontal cortex yeah we're in our senses in the now in the now and then we can start surfing that urge as Chloe was, Zoe, Chloe is my dog, people. Chloe is her dog. Chloe is the coach. Chloe is the poodle. Uh, Zoe, <laughs> uh, we can really get in touch with that surfing of the urge and watching it go up and down. So take a deep breath, people. Yeah. Yeah. Come into, and that, you know, when you're talking, people talk about, you know, uh, cultivating your your mindful practices and you're like, oh God, what's it hung? You know, the, the whole thing behind them is you can, however you do it, you can mindfully walk, which means you just walk very slowly and you're focusing on the weight of your heel to your toes, or you're focusing on the bird song, whatever it is. What it is, it's bringing you yoga, bringing you into your thoughts, calming your thoughts down and allowing you to strengthen your prefrontal cortex. Because your animal brain, which is the brain that was built first, is super dominant. And in the animal brain, 
naughty shit happens <laughs> and it doesn't serve us but it doesn't know that it doesn't serve us so what we're trying to do with all this amazing gratitude practice and mindfulness practice yoga practice uh, anything that brings you even puzzles uh, things that bring you into the present moment and i think there's a guy called coach sam and he talks about focusing on your hand just focusing on your hand brings you into that present moment and you're building your ability to grow a connection with that prefrontal cortex so you can start to work work with a craving work with uh, reasoning around a behavior instead of feeling like you're a victim and you're being pulled along which we are a little bit when we're in our subconscious brain it's choice like you said and i loved it before i choose to let this craving take me down the rabbit hole i choose to not let this craving take me anywhere except into learning more about myself I choose to drink. I choose not to drink today. Right. And I think that, I think it's Brooke Steele that says our subconscious minds are like toddlers with knives. <laughs> just, <laughs> I think that it's important. I always think of a craving like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum. And the, the toddler doesn't have a prefrontal cortex, right? So I think that when we recognize it's a toddler throwing a temper tantrum and we just watch it with curiosity rather than fighting with it or trying to reason with it, mm. it does fade. And in fact, there's a, a scientist who did study children's temper tantrums, then they do have an actual arc. Really? And if you try to engage it, the child with reasoning, it starts the loop all over again. Whereas if you just let the tantrum flow, it's going to end faster. That's really interesting. So yeah, that, he when was... that toddler finds its way through out the other end, then it's the brain learns and it does its bit. So it served its purpose. The tantrum is now finished. It's gone like an emotion. Like, let's say you feel sadness. You feel sadness in that particular situation. You move through it out the other side. You've dealt with that sadness. If you feel sadness again, it's another sort of sadness. So you're not accumulating, you're, you're moving forward effectively. I love that. Right. And I think that we can, when we make that toddler super powerful and scary, that's when we can really get in trouble because now we're afraid of them. Yeah. Bringing their past behaviors into each, merging all the past behaviors into the one that you're that you're in today. Do you know what I mean? Not seeing it as an, as an individual. Yeah. Really interesting. I love that. Do you get so, cravings anymore for alcohol? Do I? I don't. I had, to, uh, the other day I went to cinema and uh, so it's been years, right? And I went to cinema and I was, it's a cinema with sofas in it. And I was sitting with the sofa with my husband and these people, and I used to drink at the cinema when I, when I used to drink, I'd have a glass of red wine and I just, oh, and anyway, and I'm sitting there, everyone around me is on their sofa with their wine and their cocktails, et cetera, et cetera. And I went there. I purposefully went there. I, I thought, do I want a glass of wine right now? Would that, would that make my experience better right now? Would I enjoy it? And I really went there. It was really weird because I was coming from a position where I was able to look at it from someone who's, who totally doesn't identify with alcohol anymore. And it took me like three seconds to say, to roll it forward and to think, 
No, because I wouldn't experience the film the same way I'm going to experience. I wouldn't be able to drive home. I would wake up with feeling like shit and it would just be, it would just be, oh, all that stuff again, you know? Right, and it would, once we start drinking, we numb our emotions and the purpose of art, film, whatever, is an emotional one. Yeah. We go to be entertained. We yeah. go to laugh, to cry, to, to whatever. Feel. Exactly. You feel. go to feel. And we're going there to feel and we're numbing our emotions. Yes. It's like celebrating people celebrating while well, celebrating life, christenings, uh, weddings, celebrating life, and then drinking yourself s- silly. Right. And then you're not experiencing the emotion of that occasion. And you're putting your health in danger. There's no life in that. Right. Right. I don't ever get a craving. There have been a couple times when I've been particularly stressed when I get this funny thought that is, this is why people think they want to drink. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, like, I'm suffering and I need to get myself out of this suffering. But if alcohol worked, I could see the allure of not experiencing whatever it is I'm experiencing. And I, it's like you, it is a two or three second thing where that thought flies through. And I think sometimes I add, it is a shame alcohol doesn't work as advertised. Because wouldn't it be awesome if it My did? Gosh. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could selectively know? But <laughs> yeah, I'll have that. I won't have that. I'll have that and a dose of that. <laughs> right. It's yeah. kind of like being a teenager where you believe you can have all the freedom with none of the responsibility. Yeah. Doesn't and, work. And then and then also I was looking into the story that goes with with a craving. So let's say that you've decided to take a break and you're aware that six o'clock is your uh, is your time. Yeah. What did you call it again, Lily? A choice hour. Choice hour. And you're already starting to create. I'm not going to make it past 5 p.m. Your craving has started because of the story. So being able to to write it down. So take the story out of your head. We're going to look into other ways of dealing. Well, we've talked about surfing the urge already, but taking the story out of your head, bang it onto paper. Yeah. Have it there, black on white, and then reread that story. And that will give you time to recover your prefrontal cortex. And you'll be able to look at it and think, well, that's a bit silly, isn't it? I'm here. I'm taking a break. I'm just testing, test driving, living alcohol free. And here I am, what, I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm being wrapped up in this story of I'm not going to make it past 6 p.m. already, winding myself up for no reason, creating a phantom, a phantom craving. Phantom craving, like phantom limb syndrome. Yes. I think, too, if I understand the science correctly, that if, so for me, I would have my first glass of wine after the dog walk. Mm-hmm. And the dog walk, of course, was timed so that it would be a decent hour to drink. And as I understand it, because I was used to getting a dopamine hit, well, the dopamine hit would happen on the dog walk when I would start thinking about now I get my drink. Now, I'm, you know, it's coming. Yeah. If I don't give it the dopamine, I'm going to get some cortisol that's niggling me. Hey, drink, drink, drink stop this cortisol from happening that is that can happen for a little while until we start recognizing that's just a hormone Mm -hmm. 
its half-life is very short. Mm-hmm. So if we can get, just let it just sit with that discomfort. And as you were saying, Zoe, not that's me, that's me. Zoe, <laughs> as you were saying, Zoe, that if you wrap a story around that cortisol dump, mm-hmm. you're attaching it to something instead of simply saying, well, I usually get a dopamine hit at 502. Yeah. So I'm getting a little cortisol dump right now. Yeah. That's all that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Because it's actually because it's so simple. It feels complicated when it's hitting you because because we are we have the fear factor and we're all pussycats, aren't we? We just don't want we we don't want fear. We're fight we're fl- fleeing fear the whole time. So when you think of it, is this just a thought? It's our interpretation of that thought that's going to take us to a craving and down to drinking or take us through an experience of some sort. And, you know, it it can also be nothing. You can also, with that thought, catch it and say, oh, stop it, don't be so ridiculous. What is this? Well, I'm good, you know, let me think about something else. That's why distraction, if, if you want to, is it a great tactic? So if it wasn't about thoughts, then why can you, when you're distracted, if I go to you, come on, let's go to the circus. No, not circus, actually, because that's not nice to animals. Let's go, let's go for a picnic up in the mountains. You're not going to be thinking about craving. There's no way. Right. Your brain right. is busy. It's happy. It's going to do something else. So it's a, a brilliant, brilliant tactic that to, to, to create a plan B. <laughs> and then, so you've got in your, in your, you've got surfing the urge. You've got the the disarming it. So catching the story and writing it down. And so you're working on bringing it, keeping it in your prefrontal cortex. And so that allows you to detach from, from the craving. Yeah. By putting it on the paper and then asking yourselves, what do I need? What this craving is, is, is also can be a signal. I might be getting it confused with my need to, my urge to drink because it's 6 p.m., but maybe I'm hungry. What do I need? Ask yourself that question. And uh, and I think, do you have any other tactics? Did you have any when? Some other tactics that I like to use are you know, having a plan. So if you know that you're in this dopamine cortisol cycle after your dog walk or whatever, having a plan in place is super helpful. So if I'm used to grabbing my glass of wine, right at five o'clock when I walk in the door, have something else available. So I still have something in my hand. Yeah. Or and don't then, go home at five o'clock. Or don't go home at yeah. five o'clock. Yeah. Change Break up it. the script. Yes. Break it. But have a plan because yes. when we just say, I'm just going to see how it goes, chances are we're going to end up drinking. So have that plan in place. Have a replacement drink. If you are always stopping at the liquor store on your way home from work, maybe drive home a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Maybe leave yourself a little love note. Yeah, I like that, a love note. I want a love note. (laughs) That's saying, hey, I love you, so why don't you go to the grocery store that doesn't have alcohol in it? We don't, thankfully in Canada, the grocery stores do not have alcohol in them. Mm. Um, and then you can also have plans for, you talked about distraction, plan for what that distraction is going to be. Have the board games out, have the walk planned, have the, I liked listening to quit lit because I was used to drinking while cooking my dinner. Yeah, I would have my quit lit 
podcast yeah already picked out so at the end of the day we get to decision fatigue we haven't touched on that yet at the end of the day our brains are tired mm. and we have made probably 200,000 decisions without realizing it throughout the course of the day so much of those decisions are happening on a subconscious level so if you get to a time of day where you're already tired and in decision fatigue, take those decisions out. Yeah. Have a plan for what you're gonna have for dinner in the morning. Get the groceries in the morning so you're not out shopping where you could pop in and pick up a glass of wine, or I'm sorry, a bottle of wine or throw the wine in your cart. Have these things planned. Mm. And you don't have to do it forever. It's no. a short window of, just retraining your brain. What is going to be in your hand instead of the wine? Yeah, be actively, be proactive in uh, making it. It's almost like a make it into, make it payful. Yeah, what it, you know, you're this is a big thing you're doing. It's incredible what you're doing, and we celebrate you. And so make it, you know, what, what, how can you be curious? What can you do? Cinema, bowling, uh, exhibition, call a friend, make scones, uh, knit, go to a knitting class. I don't mind anything. Eat right. earlier as well. Eat earlier. Eat for sure earlier than you would normally. If you go home and you're not doing something in between, go home, eat straight away. Have something ready in the fridge. Right, right. Have it ready that maybe you just need to nuke it or, you know, two minutes reheating it on the stove. Mm -hmm. All that chopping and everything that you've associated with the drinking, do that in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. And like you said, it's not forever. I promise you. It's literally until you start laying down these new neural pathways. Remember, they literally, as you change your, your pattern of, of your behavior, you are creating new neural pathways. And the less you walk, the more the one you used to tread, the more it's going to overgrow. Yeah. Think about a path in a forest. You don't walk down it, it gets overgrown. That's what's going to happen with your brain and your normal pattern around drinking. Right. Absolutely. How exciting. So those are my favorite tactics. Are yeah. we missing any tactics? I don't think so. I know that observing it, so up and over, making sure that you follow it, you know, um, also you're asking what you need, uh, sitting with it, just being in it. Uh, but I think they're all the same. I think the thing is, is just being present. Right. And then sometimes distraction, which means just go and do something else, go ice skating. Do something else. And I think that for some people having the questions written down or the process written down so when you go into fight or flight it's five o'clock you're driving by the liquor store have in your wallet a list of the questions to ask yourself yeah or the options that you can do instead so you don't have to come up with it when you're fatigued or you don't have any oxygen going to your prefrontal cortex i love that hey we could also throw in those questions so bearing in mind that we're thought this is all about thought with uh, byron katie's questions uh, when you have that thought and you write it down or you're walking along and you've got that thought around this craving oh my god i need this drink now is that true is this really, really true? How would it be without that thought? And that is equally is training you to stay in your prefrontal cortex. Right. Love those. Is it true question and playing it forward. Yes. That is going to make you see into tomorrow. If yes. I have this drink, 
what is my evening going to look like? Yeah. If I don't have this drink, what is my evening going to look like? What is my morning going to look like? I love it. And if you decide not to have the drink and you wake up and have a good morning, celebrate and savor. Oh yeah, celebrate. And if you decide to have the drink, when you wake up in the morning, find the lesson, mm -hmm. celebrate the lesson and savor the lesson. Yes. Wise words, wise words. What's going on with you today? You're sounding very wise. <laughs> I just right. Well, that was again. It's such a pleasure. I just find it so interesting being able to spend, just really focus and unpack a subject because you can see how wide it can go. Right. And as we say, you know, any questions you have, please bring them in because we we love to answer them. Often these podcasts are recorded around questions that we're being asked, so we're incorporating um, that information as as we go. Thank you for listening, and it was so nice to see you, Lily. Oh, so good to see you, Zoe. Bye. Do you know someone who needs to hear this? Share this episode with them.